did. I killed those people. That's what I can be. No, no, you can't. You're not. I'm whatever Gotham needs me to be. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Welcome back for another episode. We are talking about 2008, The Dark Knight. Oh yeah. What is considered, I think a lot of people will consider this the best superhero movie of all time. Uh, if not, probably most people's top fives, you know, unless you're real controversial. Uh, but it's definitely in mine. We'll see if I think it's the best of all time. You know, might have to discuss that later. How but, many times do you think you've seen this film? So I saw it four times in theaters. I saw it three times Casual. and it re-released in IMAX. And I was like, I have to go see it in IMAX, which was worth it. Even though at the time I was like, you know, I spent like $18 on a movie ticket when I was in like a freshman in high school, which was unbelievable. And then since then, I would guess that I've probably seen it like, I don't know five or six times again. I, I don't know like when or why I had watched it, but I just know that it's just one of those movies that you just wind up seeing again and again. Yeah, I've seen it a fair bit. Yeah. We um, had it on DVD, plus like I think it would come on TV. I feel like even I, someone who was not like a movie on TV watcher, probably saw it on TV. It's one of those movies that like if you see it on, you're probably going to just check in and yeah. watch for a little bit at least. Like, and then what, you get sucked yeah. in. What what better things do you have to do than watch The Dark Knight? You know, <laughs> nothing. It, I mean, I think it also has like really good rewatchability because there's just so much happening in particular with like Heath Ledger and the Joker. Like, I think you can just kind of review his performance over and over again and get something different out of it every time. Totally. It's not the kind of thing that gets like trite after rewatching it a couple times. It's, it's always fresh. Like this time I was like, I was like laughing at some of his like ticks and behaviors and like, it's nothing that I haven't noticed before really, but it's just, it's always entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first several times I saw it, I like couldn't really see Heath Ledger. I was like, it's not Heath Ledger to me. Like I don't, he's like totally that character. And it's like upon like a mini rewatch. And as an adult, I'm like, okay, I can actually like see Heath Ledger now. And not, that's not to discredit his performance. It's just like, it took so many watches to finally start to like, okay, I actually see the actor under it finally, because it's, it's tough. And we all know, like, you know, obviously he, he dealt with this in a pretty, horrible and traumatic way yeah well i didn't know who heath ledger was before this movie came out um 10 things i hate about you nope. brokeback nope. mountain nope well yeah no i didn't see brokeback mountain that one why, why are you gonna say it like that because i was in middle school i was not gonna <laughs> i was not gonna watch that i just knew there were jokes about it i think people would talk about that when heath ledger's name came up as the joker but like and like pretty a, a wild tale. turn Oh, yeah, like, Night's no, Tale. Oh, so good. Yeah, so, like, I was in the dark to who this guy was, so to me, like, He's he was the just the Joker. And when people are like, well, like, you know, I knew that people were apprehensive about his casting, but for someone that had no background in who this guy was, I was like, 
Why did anyone have second guesses about this? His other characters have been like so soft and like warm, I would say, for the most part. I mean, the ones that I've seen and like funny, which he is funny in this. But but not in the same way that he's funny in his other stuff. I would imagine. A A Night's Tale is a really funny movie. Have you seen it now? No. I don't think so. Oh my. I mean, I, I would love to watch it. Bonus podcast <laughs> The Heath Ledger Cinematic Universe. I'm pretty sure that um, they thought that Heath Ledger was not right for the part when they were first trying to cast for the Joker. And actually, IMDb Trivia says that Christopher Nolan and Heath Ledger agreed that he was not the right fit. But, you know, they Weird. went through so many other people and a lot of actors were not willing to take the part because they saw Jack Nicholson's version as so iconic that they were worried about either just like being compared to him or just doing the part injustice. But Christopher Nolan met with Heath Ledger again and was like, wait a minute, like, why didn't I realize this before? Like, you're perfect for him. Yeah, so I think, I mean, obviously Heath Ledger's... Oh, wait, sorry, I read this wrong. Um... They had actually originally met to see if Heath Ledger could play Bruce Wayne oh, for, for the Batman first Begins. One. And they were like, no, that's not going to work. He kind of looks like Val Kilmer. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, he does. Not as, like, stocky, but... but yeah, I see the comparison. But, I mean, like, I think he, he probably would have been good as Bruce Wayne as well, but then, like, you know... It would be a very different Bruce Wayne. I can't imagine anybody else playing the Joker in this. It would be a weaker movie. What about Jared Leto? I don't even want to talk about it. That's a joke, y'all. I'm just kidding. Oh, Jared Leto probably just heard that and is just devastated. You think he's a big listener? Oh, yeah. He's our number one fan. He hasn't written in. We won't even talk about Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, we're going to see Morbius, so. Yeah. I actually think Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, I haven't seen The Joker, which is on our list to watch, but um, I think an actor like that would have been a great joker even in this i think so too i mean i think other people could have like emulated a similar performance but it's just hard to think of anybody else nailing it just because like it was a a plus plus performance that we got honestly in a in a i i don't know if it's ironic but in a coincidental way Christian Bale would have also probably done a good Joker because he's another actor that kind of disappears into the role. Yeah. Him, Gary Oldman, like, he like, those are all, like, this movie franchise has, like, actors that do that, so. You could just, like, shuffle around the entire cast and it would probably still be a pretty good movie. Like, seeing Christian Bale in Chaney or in Vice, it's, like, incredible because it's, like, that, who is that? Yeah, like, Like, that's, that's not him. That's unbelievable. I mean, there's other actors that kind of do this. I I don't want to say like totally method. Like they're not doing Daniel Day Lewis, but like they they get into the head of that character. Yeah, yeah. I think I called somebody else, and I don't know what movie it was, but I was like chameleon, like yeah. And that's how I feel about most of the characters in this movie, to be honest. Yeah, I think Method gets, like, thrown around kind of willy-nilly, which is fine. I think it's been maybe, like, um, put on a, like, that term has been put on a pedestal, and I, I don't think it means, like, you have to live as that actor. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that like, that's, like, what Jared Leto thinks it means. Yeah. It's, like, traumatizing your coworkers, but no. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to do that. Um, 
Any other new characters that we're getting in this one before we kind of get into the plot? Well, I guess we get a new Rachel. Yeah, so, so how do we feel about the new Rachel? I don't really remember exactly why Katie Holmes didn't come back. I think she was, like, doing another movie and, like, just didn't want to. She might have also been going through a pretty um, infamous divorce. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's all at the same time or not. Yeah, um, it wasn't anything, really. She was just, like, other things came up. I had to make that decision, and it was right for me at the time. Not because of anything that happened on Batman Begins. No ill will or anything. Just That kind of feels like a weird... A professional decision. I, I mean, don't know. Yeah. I just... I wonder how much she regrets it. Probably not. I mean, yeah. I, I think people, myself included, tend to like put a lot of stock into how actors like feel about like missing out on being in movies like this. But I think for, you know, if it's just like a job, it's just like, well, I took a different job. She's also like an actor that one already has fame from Dawson's Creek and doesn't need to take a role to gain notoriety. Yeah. So like she, if anyone would be like, that's not, has nothing to do with my decision. Sure. I would say. I think for me, I would be like, damn, I missed out on being in like the Dark Knight, like the celebrated movie, The Dark Knight. But. See, I feel like if anything, she's like, I don't know if I want to do another comic book movie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, regardless of why she left, I feel like it wasn't that big of like it, it didn't take away from the movie to be like, oh, there's a different actor playing this no. part. That felt very natural. of all the characters to recast. This was pretty inconsequential. I mean, as much as I like love Michael Caine, if they had like if he had not been able to do it and they had a different Alfred, like. It would have been fine. Like, I, it doesn't have to just be because it's, like, her character. Sure. Like. I honestly, pretty much anybody but Batman. <laughs> yeah, but even then, look at the 90s. Like, they switched Batmans. Yeah, but they probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there were other issues there, but um, Different. I guess, ultimately, changing actors is not that big of a deal. And I love Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, I just don't know how different it would have been with Katie Holmes doing it. Cause I think they do Rachel very differently. Yeah. I think not that different. Not. Yeah. I don't know. I do like Maggie Gyllenhaal in this movie. Um, but having recently watched Batman begins, I was like, I wish she was in this just one for like having like a bit of continuity. And two, I just like, I liked how Katie Holmes, like the, the purpose of the character is so different between the two movies. Like, Rachel in the first one is like this beacon of morality that's like keeping Bruce kind of on the straight and narrow. And in this one, it's just like a, it's a different thing. It's kind of like teaching Bruce like that he needs to like let some of this stuff go. And like, that's a consequence of being Batman. Right. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of questions about like the role of Rachel in this movie as we get towards the end. Um, and yeah, like I don't know if the actress would have changed anything. I don't know. But I do think that Katie Holmes did a better job of like showing that they have not just chemistry, but like an intimacy and like a friendship beyond like knowing each other. Like when Maggie Gyllenhaal and Christian Bale are off of each other, I don't, it doesn't feel like that. And maybe it is because she wasn't in the first one, but yeah, to me it feels more like their, their relationship in this movie is strictly as like ex lovers 
like that are yeah, kind of like, like, like exes not like old friends yeah like they've got like this distance and it's like the the relationship is kind of like cool yeah i don't i don't get like a we've known each other since we were kids vibe so much and this is nothing against katie holmes but i do think maggie gyllenhaal is a better actress which so like when i'm criticizing her part in it which i'm not really even i'm not saying that's because she's doing a bad job acting like when she dies it's like so so intense because she's like oh yeah i mean she's she's an incredible (laughs) she's an incredible actor make make no mistake that's that's not our argument here yeah so and then we get an uh harvey dent which i don't know if we want to do any overview stuff before like about the actor or anything before we get to plot but since Aaron, we started with Heath. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Aaron Eckert has had, like, an amazing career. I kind of thought that after this movie, he would kind of find a launch pad for himself and be able to go off of that, but I don't think it really went that way. I really like him. I just think that he has, like, the second best performance in this movie. He's so good. I'm, honestly, I guess like looking through his filmography, I haven't seen him in that many things. We saw him in Thank You for Smoking, which was like before this. Yeah. And I, I've seen Aaron Brockovich. I don't even remember that he oh, was yeah, in I've that. Oh yeah, I've seen that, but I don't really remember that. And maybe I've seen him in a handful of other things, but this is like a performance deserving of, I'm not, this obviously wouldn't be a breakout. He was in plenty of stuff before this, but it's so good. I've seen him in some rom-coms, but, like, not anything super memorable. Yeah. I just, yeah, I I really enjoy how he plays both versions of Harvey Dent in this movie. And he does Two-Face in a way that um, Batman Forever just failed miserably at. (laughs) Comparing him to, like, Tommy Lee Jones, like... You're only going up from there. Nothing against it's, Tommy Lee It's Jones, also, like, but. totally apples and oranges. Like, the direction, the the costuming, the script, like, everything is different. You know, Tommy Lee Jones could have probably played a pretty good, serious Two-Face. My only thing with this is, and I'm going to talk about some of my critiques of this movie, is that they did a lot. There were a lot of plots happening and I wish we actually had more time with Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. Like, the the fact... I mean, they didn't obviously intend for this to be the Joker's last movie, I don't think. Um, but the fact that we had to, like, wrap up both of those plots in this movie and then the next one basically has nothing to do with this film is kind of disappointing for, like, the series in general. And I think Harvey Dent, like we said in, I guess that was in The Amazing Spider-Man with um, Harry, like it would have been cool if they'd like set him up at the end of this movie and then we got to play with him for the next movie. I kind of thought that too, because the whole thing is Joker being like, you have to like be like be an agent of chaos like me. And then just based on like the how fast the end of the movie goes i get the impression that harvey runs around for like two days yeah. and then Kills dies five people yeah <laughs> i'm like it would have been a lot more interesting because i actually saw a note talking about how scarecrow was the first time that we had like a recurring villain across two batman movies that yeah. never happened back in the 90s so i was like we could have just like built like 
you know, Batman has like this huge rogues gallery of people that just keep coming back. Like that's his whole right. thing. Cause he can't, he, he, he doesn't, doesn't kill them, anyone. Yeah. Um, so having another thorn in his side would have been pretty cool. And even like, you know, we talked about how Scarecrow makes his little appearances yeah. and Harvey Dent could have been a bit more of like a powerful, uh, background villain. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And yeah, there was like no need to wrap up his plot because it also would have showed that just because the Joker's gone, like his impact is lasting way beyond this film and I mean, the Gotham that we see in the third one is not doing well. And perhaps that's the result of like the Joker. But like, I think it would have been way more impactful to have Harvey Dent. I mean, I don't really like the dystopia thing that they kind of do in the third Batman yeah. with Gotham, but um, it doesn't matter. Um, that's not what we're here to talk about today. But should we kind of get let's, into it? Yeah, I know we're kind of rambling let's here at go. the beginning. Because this opening is iconic. One of the best opening scenes of any movie, I would say. Oh, yeah. Like, just... I, this, like, it, it stuck with me so much the first time I saw it because it's like, we're going to get right into it. There's no introduction here. There's, like, all these, like... It's hints. not a Batman movie. No. It's, like, a heist movie. <laughs> There's, like, these hints being dropped about, like, you know, when the guy turns off the silent alarm and they're like, Oh, it's not calling nine one one. It's calling a private number. Yeah. So it's like, you're like, what's going on? You're like, just trying, trying to, to follow up. the plot. Cause we don't know what these guys are doing. And then as they start like taking each other out, as they finish their tasks, I just, I love it. Some criminal mastermind shit. Yeah. And the guy with the shotgun, he's got like gumption. He, so that actor, William you know, Fickner. He's up in a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's an established dude. And the fact that he's in this movie for such a short amount of time, I will always remember him being like, you and your friends are dead. <laughs> like he's, do you know who you're stealing? From? <laughs> yeah. Like pretty insignificant, but I love him. He, he's a, you know, he's not afraid. Yeah. I mean, I know I shouldn't be rooting for him cause He's clearly like a mob guy, but I think we're rooting for him over like the Joker. If I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's out, right? Where did you learn to count? <laughs> um, yeah, all of that. Yeah, where they are cleaning up their own mess, kind of yeah. with killing each other, and then the best part of this whole fucking thing is the school buses. Like yes. every time I see a row of school buses, I think about this movie. Do one of these just like come out of a bank? Like who, who could say? I just, it's like straight out of Ocean's Eleven or something. Like you said, heist movie. And I actually did see an interesting piece of trivia about that whole scene with the bus because they, I mean, all so much of this, the stunt work and the effects were practical in this movie. And I think that they had a way harder time with that than they thought they would. Um, they had to take the bus apart and reassemble it inside the building, um, <laughs> conceal it behind a large false wall, and then propel it backwards with an air cannon to crash it through the wall. Wow. Like the way that they did it. That seems like... Doesn't it seem way harder? Yeah. I, I guess they tried to just do it at first, and it was... I mean, yeah, you can't... I feel like they could just do it in like a warehouse and like make the bank or they, they were using a disused post office for nice. the bank set. I mean, working on this movie must have been an insane experience because I, I do think uh, 
Christopher Nolan is full of shit sometimes, which I think I talked about in Batman Begins. But you read stuff like that and you're like, this guy was clearly... Yeah, the man doesn't like, have an email. <laughs> busting his ass to make the best product. Yeah, and... Who's dealing with these logistics? Not him. You know that he was... <laughs> he's on set. He's like, all right, can we just shoot it through with an air cannon? And then left. And everybody was like, where the fuck are we going to get an air cannon? Well, we can't contact him, so I guess we just have to figure <laughs> it out. Um, I also would like to make a correction about something I said in the past about how I felt like Gotham stayed consistent throughout the movies. And I do feel like in this movie, it doesn't feel like the same Gotham. This feels more like New York city. Yeah. Especially like most of where we are is like the financial district, I guess. And it's definitely a a lot more like modern and in the first Batman Begins, it's more like, I guess we kind of compared it to Chicago. Yeah. And definitely not in a wealthy area. So I just wanted to say that I was possibly incorrect in my The statement. vibe is just different. It's brighter, actually, in this. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. And the whole thing, the Thomas Wayne Memorial Railway. Yeah, is where just, is it? It's that? gone. It's gone. I mean, well, you can crash. have the headcanon, but they could have fixed it. Yeah. Like, but... I digress. Also, I will say, because we talked about Batman's fighting style, and on the record, I said I was undetermined on how I felt about it in The Dark Knight, and he fights well in this movie. He he is a pretty good fighter. And the part that you criticize the most would be, like, he's so, like, what did you say, like, heavy? He's bulky. Bulky. He even says, like, that's one of his first things is, like, I need to be lighter. Which was actually Christopher Nolan... That was also his feedback yeah. on the costuming. So like it's they made it up in and out of universe, same deal. Um, yeah. So like that's our second scene is him. We see the scarecrow fighting the dogs. That's his. That's his uh, kryptonite. Is yeah. really dogs. It, and another, <laughs> another like one of those lines that I just remember is the guy being like, "My dogs are hungry." Yeah. I don't know. As, I like as it was that going, guy. I was like, man, I remember so much random shit from this. Oh, yeah. He's, he's my favorite of the mob guys. He's great. Um, I think Dr. Crane is right about one thing when he says, that's not my diagnosis. Uh-huh. <laughs> Meaning he's got some issues. Love that. Um, and we have this whole thing with, like, the copycats. And, like, obviously, like, there's a concern there because... They could potentially get hurt, but I think that there's like a level of ego being like, I'm the only one that could possibly take on being a vigilante. Like no one else can do this except for me. I'm a martyr. I mean, yes, because that totally fits with who Bruce Wayne is. I wonder if he would be a little more cool with it if they weren't impersonating him. Yeah. If someone else is like, hey, I have my own vigilante identity. And they actually, like, could handle themselves. Yeah. But I do feel like every time a comic, like, uh, broaches the idea of these copycat heroes, it always goes poorly. It's like, you have to, like, come up as your own individual if, if you don't want bad things to happen to you. Either getting killed by the people that you're trying to fight or just being given a stern talking to by the person that you're impersonating. And I will say like, it's honestly terrifying that he's inspired these copycats. Cause these guys have guns and are just like, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They, they have like none of this information or the tech or the strategies 
or like all the luxuries afforded to a billionaire in terms of like preparation or like if he gets hurt, like what the hell are they going to do? There's no way Gotham has a robust hospital system. Right. And like in our world, the real world, we know all too well, like how uh, discriminate um, people can be as like, quote unquote, good Samaritans. So like, it's just a bad idea. Vigilantes are a bad idea in general, I would say. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Now, let me know if I'm jumping here a little bit, but I really enjoyed what was kind of like our introduction to pre-Two-Face Harvey Harvey in the courtroom. Um, Him getting the gun pulled on him Mm -hmm. by the guy on the stand. Because first, like, seeing him, like, seeing this guy taking the responsibility for all this stuff that they were trying to charge um, Falcone Falcone with. When he's obviously from just... from the first one. Is he also Falcone? Uh, yeah, I think so. They're, like, supposed to be related, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, this guy's obviously a grunt. <laughs> I know, he's um, funny. <laughs> but, you know, getting the gun pulled on him and then just... absolutely taking that guy down while still on the stand and wanting to continue <laughs> as it was just... I think that that tells you exactly who this guy is. And it's like maybe like a little corny just being like, yeah, we're going to show you. (laughs) But also it's it's Gotham. So like Rachel says, you're not doing your job if you're not getting shot at. If you're Gotham's D.A. Yeah. So also it's Maroney. Oh, it's Maroney. Right. Yeah. Um, Maroney, Falcone. We're on the family. I don't know how you bring a gun into a courthouse. I bet. The who would be in control of that? Just like courthouse security, I guess. Yeah. There's someone's dirty. Everybody's corrupt. And then I just want to clarify. So talking about Harvey, and he has this like already this reputation of being. They keep alluding to it, like we have a different name for you down at the whatever, and it's that he's two faced. Yeah. Right. Okay, we're all the same age. <laughs> um, and I'm guessing that he's just given that name because he doesn't really support cops and he's supposed to be like the DA and they're supposed to like work with the cops. And well, he was also working for IA, like yeah, internal affairs. Yeah, so he was like the one. He was probably like down there like talking to them, but then he would, yeah, he would like, you know, find out the ones that were corrupt and they probably didn't like that because he probably resulted in a lot of cops getting fired. And obviously Gordon has this whole thing being like, I can't, pick and choose who I'm working with. Like I have to, I have to do what I can with the resources afforded to me and the resources afforded by the Gotham city police department are not great. So that's, that's an interesting like take on things. Cause Gordon is like a good guy, but he's presumably saddled the weight of like not knowing if everybody around him is dirty, which a lot of them are, obviously, as we find out in this movie. Yeah, and well, we saw him in the first movie basically working alongside of, like, super dirty cops and just being like, I'm not a, I'm no snitch, like, whatever, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and you're going to do what you're going to yeah. do. Um, and kind of being almost ambivalent to the fact that they're dirty. Like, that's quite a thing, because, like, I can, in a movie like this, whatever, but in real life, I would be like, oh, fuck no, Gordon. 
Like, yeah. you are not, no, 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 But, you know, it's, it's Gotham. Yeah, I think we're in, like, the context of. <laughs> I can, uh, I can take it as it is here. Also, it's, like, things are better than they were, kind of. I yeah. Guess. Or I, th- I think that's the implication. I think so, too. I mean, marginally. By, by Gotham standards, that's for sure. Kind of jumping around, we have, like, the meeting of the mobs. Talking about Batman yes. and Joker. But we also have like this dinner with um, Rachel and Harvey. Oh, uh, when they pull their tables together? Yeah. And that's when we get the, the first the first time it's, the line is mentioned, you either die here or you see yourself become the villain. Classic. Such a great line. It's classic. I mean, we talked a lot about the, the bangers of knowledge that were being dropped throughout Batman Begins, and this one is even... Even better. A lot of quotes. Like, unbelievably good. Just all these one-liners. Everybody just has infinite wisdom. Like, what? A, that's a hell of a thing to say when you're just, like, hanging out. Yeah, this, this movie's not as, like, heady as the first one, but there is, like, this whole discussion happening around, like, is it better to have a vigilante or is it better to fix, like, the law and order? And it's funny that... Harvey's the one like kind of criticizing how the cops are and being like this is messed up and like using the law to to try and clean up the Gotham but then he's like the biggest supporter of Batman and having this vigilante yeah I mean so is Gordon so but I feel like it's it's harder for Harvey to defend as like the DA like the one you know he's overseeing like what's supposed to be like the legal methods of destroying the crime in the city so yeah, having having someone in such a position of power like endorsing the alternative, which goes against what he claims to stand for. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't make sense for his character. I feel like it 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 doesn't and it does. Like it shouldn't be a position that he can consciously take, but it it makes sense to me that he would anyway. I think he's say, he's like more critical of Gotham as an institution and being like, well, we deserve to have this vigilante for bad. Like clearly we haven't done enough. So, and maybe like if, if I can do my job well enough, we won't need him and then we won't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think we'll revisit that as we, as we continue, but um, yeah, it's interesting where I love when people talk in front of Bruce (laughs) and he just kind of changes the subject. Um, Wow is a pretty bold guy. I, I like his, that his plan was basically to, to take everybody's money before they even realized what was happening. Very slick. Uh, I guess I would be pretty worried if I was him about the mob, not knowing what's going on and (laughs) catching him in the act or something. Yeah. Also like they can get to Hong Kong, like just because the police can't get on a plane. I guess they like mostly trust him, but yeah. I mean, they do trust They do. Him. They don't even seem that mad because they're like... No, I think they, they accepted it. Like, not even that. They're like, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, maybe we wish we would have known, but... And this is also... The worst scene. Well, that, but as a whole... The magic trick. A great... I know, like, technically we had already been introduced to the Joker because he took his mask off in the bank, but this gives you a much better idea of, like, his agenda. Yeah. Which, like, I, I wonder, like, what Ish. he was doing before this movie. I like, know. I think that's the biggest, like, f- 
I guess like flaw plot plot hole in the Joker. It's like, well, there he must have been unless he wasn't. He just became the Joker, but like he seems too smart to like have never done this before, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they cognizantly were like, we're not going to give you any backstory on the Joker because is, we want him to like be presented as like they wanted him to be like an absolute with like no yeah yeah like there's no shades of of judgment it's just like that's who he right. is and it's true to like the comic like there is no backstory for the joker yeah um i mean they kind of do something in um that comic later on yeah um, the killing joke yeah. yeah but even then i don't think they give him a definitive backstory that's just like one interpretation yeah. kind of i mean it's not really a question that needs to be answered but Given how they like teased him with the card at the end of the first movie, it makes me wonder. I mean, maybe it was just he was committing smaller crimes, and but yeah, the only thing that I was thinking that would maybe fit in with the plot of the first one is that he was in Arkham Asylum and was because they say like the Narrows is like lost basically, and so he was like kind of building up himself in the narrows and now yeah. he's like kind of branching out to the rest of Gotham. That's probably, that's but, a good theory. Um, I think it's embarrassing for that one mob guy that he like was just like faked his own death. Like you didn't see that coming that like <laughs> he maybe wasn't actually dead. <laughs> no one's checking before you bring him in <laughs> to your boss. <laughs> uh, yeah, not well. You're talking about when they like after. Well, the guys that brought him in. You're talking about like when they bring him to a, uh, what's his name? I don't know um, what his name is. Gamble. Yeah. Uh. Well, those guys, the guys that brought him in. I know, but they meet his guys yeah. first, and they're like, "Boss, somebody brought in <laughs> yeah. the Joker." I think they're just bad at their job. I think yeah. that's why that was the that they was really the one gang that. Joker was able to take over because the other guys, well, one, no one volunteered to get a uh, murdered by the Joker in the meeting with a pencil. Um, they just stayed in their seats, <laughs> which everybody should have. Well, done. he's the one that was like being adversarial. They're like, yeah, yeah. Um, but also at that meeting, we kind of get a little bit of personality from the Joker because he says that line of like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> like, which is- I, I love how he says it. He's like, you're crazy. He's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. He, the, the t- <laughs> like, as you said earlier, he has like these ticks that he's doing that are really good, but. Yeah. It's um, like, he's almost self-conscious about being called crazy. Oh, but I think like, that's definitely the implication. <laughs> yeah. Like that's why, that's what actually made me think of the Arkham Asylum thing. I'm like, he, I think he's sensitive about the word crazy. And yeah. maybe that's why, because he was like in an asylum. Sure. And then I'm kind of at like the, the Hong Kong visit. So am I. Yeah, I. This this is another really cool sequence. Another reminder of how how mobile and able Bruce Wayne is to like pretty much do anything. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna go to Hong Kong and pick this guy up, and like you you can get a system that'll like hook me onto a plane to take us back, right? Like that's all good. Lucia's like, yeah, we can do that. No biggie. It feels very weird to be out of Gotham. Especially, yeah. like, in Hong Kong. Like, I know we leave Gotham in the third one, and that's kind of different. That's its own thing, which I have a lot of questions about where we are in that movie. But, <laughs> we'll um, get there when we get there. Um, 
but yeah, it, it seems so weird to be like in this other place. Like it's fine, but it's like, what are we doing? I talked in the first in Batman Begins in the our episode about that, about how it feels like Gotham is like 90% of the DC like world map. So yeah, I guess going to another place kind of superimposes it on the map of our world. And I'm like, what does this mean? Like, is, is everything the same except you just drop in Gotham over Chicago or New York and that's that? Yeah. Very strange. Very strange. And I don't, again, I am not like well-versed in DC at all. I don't know if the DC comics have any real world locations. I was under the impression that they don't, but maybe Christopher Nolan was like, it's a bit too much to make up another city yeah. <laughs> for someone to go to. I don't know. I feel like they might. They mentioned like, don't they mention Washington, D.C.? I have no idea. I mean, you're... Like pro- in Superman. Oh, like in the movie? Yeah. They probably do. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in, in the Superman movies, they go to the White House. Right. So, that's yeah, I, I guess it's not the first time it's been done. But yeah, I, I still think of Gotham having the same weight as New York. Yeah. It, like worldwide, I mean. Yeah. Um, I think it's really awkward and uncomfortable for Fox to have to go in person and tell him that we're not going with his business. Like, he doesn't seem bothered by it, but I would find that incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, he doesn't seem to care. Um, he's not taking it seriously at all. I think he's all. enjoying it. He's, like, very good. Well, and because this guy, like, it sucks. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> when he's just, like, accidentally... He's, like, doing this fake laugh. Um, you know, something that I see... Somewhat frequently talking about this movie is, um, you know, kind of in the same discussions about the the implication of uh, a billionaire being like this crime fighting vigilante is somebody flying to another country just to like kind of scoop somebody up and take them back. Like you're extraditing them. And like his whole thing is like, I'm going to Hong Kong. They're not going to extradite me back right. to Gotham. And some people it's like there's like the term. um extraordinary rendition which is like when this happens in the real world someone like a government agency will covertly go to another country and like basically kidnap somebody and bring them back to arrest them and i actually found someone had written a paper like a thesis about this (laughs) and they were like this is not extraordinary rendition because they weren't doing it for like a certain set of reasons but it does make me wonder if Lucius had any cognitive dissonance or moral dilemma overdoing this like he does with the phone sonar thing. Because I feel like he would be like, well, like this seems very illegal. Yeah, but I don't think it's a problem of whether it's illegal or not. I think it's more, that was more of a privacy concern. It's kind of like exploitative of like citizens, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It didn't hold any water, but... Just knowing that some people like take this approach to it, I was like, hmm, I wonder if they had discussions about it. But, I mean, he's still, I had to know that he's just the best guy in the chair that you could have. Oh, for sure. He's like, so smart. Bruce would be nothing without Lucius. Or Alfred. Yep. Also, in the Hong Kong sequence, we get to see Batman like actually gliding slash flying a bit, which I love. Because sometimes I forget that he can actually do that. <laughs> yeah, it honestly feels like a, uh, a, a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, 
It really does. It also I mean, the skyscraper. I don't know if he's doing his own uh, stunts there, Christian I'm gonna, Bale. I'm gonna say no, but hey. I think he does a lot of his own stunts. I don't think he's doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they got Tom Cruise in to do it. He probably just volunteered. <laughs> you want me to jump off of what? I'm down. Wearing a Batman costume? Okay. <laughs> and I think one of the next things that we get is the Joker starts going after all these like high ranking people. Right. Um, but you know what? I feel really bad for the uh, fake Batman that Joker captures. Oh yeah, that's rough. I don't even know what to call it. He didn't win the lottery, but he... Uh... Short straw. Yeah. Yeah, he drew the short straw big time. Oh, yeah, it's pretty dark. It's chilling. And I'm like, Gotham, why are you airing this unedited footage on TV? This is traumatizing. They would totally do that shit, though, wouldn't they? Gotham News Network. <laughs> um, this So this is the part of the movie where I'm like, there's too much going on, and it drags for me a little bit here in the middle. Mm. I, I think that's one of my criticisms of this movie. It's... There's a lot happening, but somehow there's still, like, this dragging part. Like, basically, from when the commissioner dies to, like, the end, to, like, Rachel and Harvey's death. Like, that part in the middle there. And even though we get that car chase, which is, like, a good truck car chase, like, all of that in the middle, I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, where are we going with this movie, kind of? Um, I wish we can go back and talk about all that stuff, but I'm just saying, like, this is the point in the movie that I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I think maybe I was just really sad that um, Gordon was, was dead, but he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, that's funny because, like, I love this part of the movie. Like, I have a lot of notes on, like, the the way that it, like, jumps around and just, like, the cinematography and the sound design really like work well for me here because it's like fast paced and it has Gordon like jumping between all these things and like trying to figure out what's going on and all like the bits and pieces like where he realizes that the glass probably has poison yeah. in it like a bit too late and right um you know like when the cops tell the judge like even we don't know where we're going and she opens right. it and it says up and the no, that's all good. It's like starting at that like funeral stuff and like Bruce is like being Bruce and like looking for them and like that whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. like Harvey's like like um in interrogating like that one guy. Right. Like Yeah, it's not it's not all amazing. I guess it is a slower part, but something about it, like they they have a lot of moments in this movie where I feel like there's there would be a temptation to put in like some like epic or like dramatic score but they just like have it like completely silent and it's just like the tension is just like building yeah. this whole time and i love it and that includes like parts during the car chase um also like the scene yeah when it like turned when it changes over to harvey in the yeah. thing because he doesn't know what's going on yeah. he can't see so and I mean, like, the whole thing with the parade, like, I forget. The parade I'll, is, in t it's like, very suspenseful. Yeah, and I forget that we see the Joker without his makeup on. Like, well, I always forget that. I feel like he's still wearing makeup. He's just wearing, like, flesh, like, white flesh-colored yeah. makeup. You think? Yes. Like, I think you can see it, like, on purpose. Well, either way, he doesn't have the, the white right, right. and the red. And I, I just think it's, like... I just love that because it's not it's 
they don't treat it as a reveal or anything. It's just I like, think it's still a disguise. That's yeah, why. Yeah, that's true. But it, it was really cool to see how he blended in. And yeah, like Gordon really took one for the team. Because I don't think that was planned. No, no. I think he I'm just, just used it to his advantage. Yeah. And that also leads into, like you said, Harvey interrogating. Uh, I don't even know what the, I don't think the character has a name, but David Dasmalchain plays the shit out of this guy. First thing I ever saw him in, I think it was an early acting role for him. And I don't know if I ever saw him in a movie again until I saw Ant-Man. And I was like, wait, I know that guy. Yeah. Or Ant, was he in a, was he, he was in the first Ant-Man, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. I mean. He plays like a Russian guy. Yeah. He's Kurt, the one that always says truth serum. Yeah. He has like four words that he says in this movie, but he's so good. He's so good. And he gets to Harvey without like doing anything. Well, he's not trying really. to, like he's not. Yeah. I mean, he's just being well. used. Oh. I know, but. Uh, well, I did have some questions. So I have some notes that I'm not sure what they were in context to. Just like, good job, Gordon. I guess that's when he like took the bullet. <laughs> oh, I guess like we have that scene of Joker coming to Bruce's house. Wait, 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 what? The Joker coming to Bruce's house, the penthouse for the fundraiser. That's before oh, the car chase. Yeah, yeah. And, um,. I just, I guess I just had this note, which I think is like obvious. Like Batman is trying to inspire everyone and Joker is like doing whatever the opposite of that is. Oh, and so like, so on that point, like that's obvious. Like Batman trying to inspire everyone, Joker is like trying to do like the opposite of that. And like with that scene of Harvey, like questioning that guy, like you're already seeing that like, the Joker's bringing the bad part out of everyone. Yeah. Like, that's even before he's two-faced. Like, he's still supposed to be this, like, righteous, like, echelon of, of good. And, like, right. he's like, already breaking, and Rachel hasn't died yet. Yeah. Like, I think that's really important to, like, note that, like, it wasn't just because of her death. That was just, like, the last straw. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the facade was already starting to crack. Because I feel like in his head, it's just, like, this isn't supposed to be happening. Like, things are supposed to be better. And like, I, I think this is probably coming out in different ways, too, where, like, you know, the beginning is, like, so... It's supposed to be hopeful with Batman, and then, like, the Joker is just, like, inspiring the worst in people, like, the people in Gordon's unit, and even Batman is, like, being, like, riled up in that way. I think part of the reason why it's getting to everybody so much is, just like, the Joker's plan or lack thereof is just like incomprehensible. Like, I think it's so much harder to understand for Harvey and for Bruce, like why any of this is happening. Cause there's the bandit in the woods. Yeah. Like there is, there's no reason for it to happen. It's just, it just is. And I think for Harvey, especially like his whole platform is built on like doing something to make Gotham better. It's like, what, what is there to be done here? Except going after the Joker. Like, I feel like that's not, that's not congruent with like his life outlook. <laughs> and that's, that's what starts to drive everybody a little bit crazy. Sorry, Joker. Uh, as this plot continues. Yeah. And so like pre car chase still like they have this fundraiser, Joker crashes it, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, I want the Batman to like show himself where people are going to keep dying. So Bruce is like, okay, I'm going to call a press conference mm -hmm. or whatever. 
And then everyone's upset about this. <laughs> and I have questions. Rachel is like furious that he's going to go down there. And I guess like the stance is like you shouldn't be giving into like terrorism, basically. I think that's yeah, that seems to be everybody's sentiment. But then she's equally pissed that Harvey takes that sh- that he lets Harvey, yeah. quote unquote, take the role. And I'm just like, what it what did you want to have happen, Rachel? Because she's like not giving Bruce really any option. She's just mad at no, him. No, <laughs> I don't think there was any Bruce was not going to, you know, make Rachel happy in any of these scenarios. But, like, that's where I feel like there's a flaw in Rachel's role in this movie. And I think, and I again, I don't think it really has anything to do with the actor. I think that, but I do think that the way, or at least how it was written for Katie Holmes, like, it was clear what she wanted and what she wanted for Bruce. And, like, I don't know what Rachel wants or what she wants for Bruce. No, I don't know either. Because she's also being a bad partner to Harvey. Like, she's clearly still holding a candle or whatever that saying is for Bruce. But then she's like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. She's all over the place. And I think that's kind of just part of her character. It's like, maybe that is just, like, she's at, like, this weird place where she was like, I wasn't really... Like, I didn't know if I'd have to, like, deal with this again. Or, like, I don't know, like, how much I'm supposed to be committing to anybody She just seems right so now. steadfast in the first movie. She did. I Yeah. So I, I do agree with you there. I don't think that she knows what the best course of action is. And I think maybe she's just kind of lashing out. Like, I kind of think she wants him to continue being Batman because I think she's scared to be with him. Mm. Actually, yeah. Well, that's, I think that makes sense, too. And then, so then she's just mad about this whole, like, press conference thing. It's like, well, if you were going to do it, then why did you let my boyfriend right. do it? And that kind of probably feels, like, like very personal because she knows, like, how Bruce feels about, like, them and about, like, her being with Harvey. So she probably took that as, like, a slight. Yeah, but I feel like it's obvious that, like... Harvey is going to do what Harvey's going to do, and it didn't matter. Yeah. Like, he had I, that plan. Yeah, that, that had no bearing She should be on mad him. at him. Yeah. Um, I think she... I think she is mad at him. I think she him. knows that, but she's also like, what the fuck, Bruce? Um, and then also, Alfred, I'm kind of confused. I guess he's kind of in this, like, you can't let the terrorists win. Like, you have to just endure it. Like, I guess I'm just surprised that no one's like, yeah, I think that's... Like, what is the worst that's going to happen if he's like, yep, it's me, Bruce? I'm trying to think, because, yeah, I was a little, I, I guess I just forgot about, like, this exchange. Because um, this is when he tells him the the forest right. thing, the bandit. I guess. Which is kind of a confusing story, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I lost the thread a little bit. When, when <laughs> he, like, rubies. yeah. But anyway, I think Alfred's approach to it, if it's supposed to be a little more nuanced than just like don't give in to the terrorist threat or the joker threat is it's like i think for alfred it's more like the the ideology of the batman can't be debased especially not by somebody like the joker it's like it's it's something that has to be like kept intact and like doing this like thing and like revealing who it is will like destroy the idea like you're just supposed to be consistent like a symbol right Cause like there's like this mythology around the Batman now. It's like as soon as you 
associated with one person, then that all comes crashing down. And I think for maybe how Alfred thinks about it is like a lot of like what's happening, like the up and up in Gotham is like contingent on that. Cause like we see that guy in the beginning of the movie, see the bat signal and is like, I don't feel good about tonight. Like we're done. Yeah. And that could be happening on like such a large scale to the point that it doesn't even matter if it, Bruce is out there right. doing anything. But as soon as it's like, Oh, well it's just Bruce Wayne, you know, he'd probably get arrested. Right. And then it's just like, and I think maybe the other lesson is you should do what you're going to do as Batman regardless of like public opinion because he's kind of doing this well one because he doesn't want people to die but two like everyone's very mad at Batman right yeah <laughs> um and so and he's doing like PR yeah and they're like yeah no you're not supposed to do that like it's it's what it is and then so just to kind of continue on that thread like what what point is Harvey trying to make and like by claiming to be Batman like like, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like, I feel like by him claiming to be Batman, which I know it ends up being kind of a a, a trap, but, like, to me that's saying, like, Gotham needs Batman more than it needs law and order. And again, mm. I feel like that goes against what Harvey believes in. Yeah, I I do, I agree, but I guess, like, he he also... Just he wanted everything to end, so it's just like this is like a hail mary, like yeah, stop killing people. So I'll just like I'll just tell you, like I don't I don't know if he had a plan, or even like really considered the consequences of doing that. But you know if if, if it's true that he's like starting to crack already, then maybe his his priorities for Gotham were already starting to switch, and maybe it had, it had gone on long enough that he was like. Batman can do a better job alleviating this situation than I can as DA. Yeah, which means he's, like, kind of given up. Which is, like, sad, but it's also, like... It goes with what the Joker's trying to do. Yeah. But maybe he also, like, was kind of assuming this plan all along and that it didn't... He wasn't really making a statement by doing it. So are you at the car chase? Uh, yeah. Fucking great car chase. Um, with the bazooka? With the bazooka, slaughter is the best medicine written on the side of the truck. But I mean, the main the main thing that I always remember from this visually is the uh, the burning fire truck on the road. I don't know why, but that just like sticks with me. Um, you well, know, mine's the motorcycle going like up. Well, and stuff. that I like. I mean, I love <laughs> everything about this. But like the the fire truck one is like the first sign that like things have already gone very wrong, and they thought that they had. You know, they thought they were a step ahead of the Joker and Harvey probably thought like, okay, like I nailed it. Like I have a good plan. Now we have like a bit of time, but no, uh, they knew exactly what was going to happen. And to me, the, the burning fire truck is like, that's like the one thing that's not supposed to be on fire. You know, oh, yeah. like that's, I feel like that's like very symbolic. Of, I like, didn't really think about there that. is. Who's going to save like, this there's, fire there, truck? Nothing is going to help you. Yeah. Like, things have gone so, so, so wrong. I always remember that, like, tunnel underpassing, because it reminds me of a street in D.C. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess this was probably filmed in L.A. Uh, I think they filmed it in Chicago, the actually. The street stuff? Yeah. 
Um, cause I think I saw an IMDb trivia that people were like calling the cops when they saw this police chase being filmed because they thought it was real. That's funny. Uh, and they were very concerned. <laughs> I also always remember that like, this is when Gordon comes back is at the end of this scene, but I forgot until about halfway through that he's the one driving it. Cause I was like, uh, uh, this guy's being super sus. Like I kind of forgot that that was Gordon yeah. and it was just fun to remember that. Well, what was he? What was he driving? He was driving the SWAT car with right. Harvey in it. Right, right, right. And because the guy's like, I hope you know how to, I hope you can handle this. Like yeah. his co-pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pilot, but, um, and he doesn't, he doesn't talk yeah, we at don't, all. Yeah, we don't see him. That's right. Um, yeah. I don't want to give it away. It's just, it's, it's the whole reveal. sequence is really, really, really good. And capping it with the, the stunt with the tractor trailer getting flipped over on its head was just like, when I saw that, in theaters for the first time, I was like, no fucking way. Like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And just, like, the the playfulness that Joker has, like, throughout this whole thing, where when Batman, like, fires off those cables to flip the truck, and he's like, he missed! Like, he's so, like, into, like, this whole thing. Like, he's clearly having a great time. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, we talked about the bus thing earlier and how that was practical and was... Difficult to accomplish. Um, this was the this was the same way. They were filming in downtown Chicago, and they were like, "How can we do this stunt safely? Like this is insane." Um, and they built this truck rig with a piston that could blast out the back, and they used TNT to trigger an explosion that would shoot the back end over the cab. This isn't in the underpass. This is like up at top. The, at the end, yeah. yeah. Uh, right before Gordon comes back. Yeah. Um, and they reinforced the cab with steel because someone was actually driving it and would trigger, they would trigger the explosion while driving it to flip it. That's insane. It is, and they did it twice. That seems so risky for the stunt folks. So they did it one time on a runway because they had to make sure that yeah, when they, they when they put it up, it would stay upright and not just fall over to the side because uh, they were like, we were filming in the middle of the banking district in Chicago and it would have just gone through some business's window. Um, and then they, they did it again. I don't know why they needed a person in it. Like, couldn't they rig it to be like remote control, basically? I don't know. I have no idea why they needed to do that, but, and they had to, trigger the explosion in a certain place on the road because there were sewers underneath it and the bank vaults all ran under the streets. And it's like, if they blew it up in the wrong spot, it would damage all that stuff. I can't believe the city of Chicago let them film there. Honestly, they were probably like, hell yeah. Like give us some, they probably like, I don't know. What's the insurance on a day like that? I have no idea, but. Whew. Yeah. So, so cool. Do you know if um, Christopher Nolan is a uh, script stickler or is there like improv happening? Because I was wondering that about a lot of the Joker's lines because they seem so natural, like as if, like I'm just surprised that someone would think to write them, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but like him kicking the guy out of the train being like, no, I want to drive. Like, just seems like a natural line. Yeah, I mean, I I have no idea. 
And I just don't know if Christopher Nolan has like a reputation, like like Aaron Sorkin or something like that. Not that I know of. I could see him being a, a script stickler. I could too, but I did just searching it for a second, saw that he considered shooting Dunkirk without a script and just having everybody like totally like kind of oh, give wow. them an idea of the scene and then improvise from there. There's like this whole thing where like the moment after the hospital blows up when he's like trying to hit the detonator again, Joker's trying to hit the yeah. detonator again. Um, that is, that was not improvised. I, so I that's did written. know that. And I think a lot of people thought that that was improvised. Oh, that's, I think I did think it was improvised. Yeah, but they knew because they had one chance to do that explosion and they were not going to fuck around with that shot. <laughs> but I would at the same time be willing to believe that a lot of that other stuff was, if not like, I feel like a lot of the time, like I was under the impression or at least tended to think that when I heard that a line was improvised, that like that was what we were seeing, like as it was shot, it was being improvised and that was the take. But it's like a lot of the times they'll improvise a line and, and a lot of times like, someone script. will break or be like, what the fuck are you doing? And then the director will be like, no, like let's Keep do it. this now. Yeah. 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 So that probably happened a lot. Yeah. I guess we're starting to get to the apex of the movie here. Yeah, should I run down all of the plots that we have going on? Yeah, let's do it. Because <laughs> I was starting to jot them down. So we have, like, the mob stuff. So that's one plot. And, like, all of the legal mob stuff. So, like, they all get to jail, blah, blah, blah. Then we have, like, the Lao mob mm-hmm. stuff. So, like, all the money situation, which is, like, the Joker tie-in. And then we have all of the Joker shenanigans, which mostly ties into the mob. But then we also get, like, these death threats and like conclusions of that um we have like harvey and rachel drama Mm -hmm. um and then we have like harvey drama later with everything with two-face um then we have gordon doing his thing his fake death we have the car chase then we have the death of rachel then we have this hospital scene. Then we have like a hostage and boat situation. And then we have Gordon and Two-Face again. Like, I know I didn't do a very good job of explaining all also, that. Also like, like Mr. Reese. You forgot about oh, Mr. Yeah, Reese. Oh yeah, yes. Thank you. That I knew I was forgetting something. Yeah. And then we have like the um, Wayne Enterprise <laughs> drama, which also kind of ties in with Lau. But it like, it all connects. Like it does a really beautiful job of connecting, but I'm like, I don't know if it, like, well, I think that was what I said at the beginning. Like, I think the Two-Face stuff is what lacked for me. And, like, his vendetta against, like, Gordon and his family didn't quite feel earned enough. Yeah. it. Yeah. It was. But I, I know we're not. For really the time sure. that they had, they did it well. But yeah. I do think it, it could have been a lot stronger plot not having been relegated to, like, 15 minutes of time for him to make this snap judgment and do what he does. But at the, I do love, like, all the moments that we get with Two-Face using the coin. And yeah. it's executed uh, all the well coins for the time that we so get. Um, and, I mean, like, at this point, so where I'm in my notes, the Joker's, like, in, in jail. And we're, like, halfway through the movie. And while we were watching, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we still have, like, 
the ho- like the hospital stuff, which isn't actually that long, but yeah. I, and I was like, we still have the, ho- the boats. I was like, we still have all this stuff to they happen. Really pack stuff in, which I do think is why this movie is good on a rewatch because there's so much happening and there's so much stuff to be like, oh, I didn't catch that. The it's first like, time oh, around. I remember this. I remember- oh wait, I yeah. Or like, oh, I didn't see how this connected to that, and and then I didn't even say like the whole sonar stuff. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's ridiculous how crammed this movie is, and yet, like, yeah, a couple times I'm like, uh, I forget what plot thread we're following right now, right. but not really in a way that puts me off the movie. Like, there's a lot of scenes, like yeah. individual scenes, um, and not at the same location. Like, nope. there's they're, they're jumping around. They keep it moving. I can't even imagine how much this movie costs to make. I mean, I'm sure I it's, don't know, but insane. Uh, that knowledge is available, but... Uh, it did make more money than Batman Begins did in its entire domestic run in the first week after release. I mean, there was a lot of hype around this Kind movie. of insane, yeah. Like, I definitely saw it in theaters once, though. Well, like a normal person. <laughs> Maybe twice, actually. I don't know. I think once. Mr. Reese is a real, real piece of work, isn't he? Is that where you are? Because what about like all of the prison stuff? No, I just kind of, oh. I, I just reminded myself <laughs> I about it. Calling him Mister Reese. That's what they call him. I guess his name is Coleman Reese, but they ever they only ever call him Mister Reese. Reese. I think it's just it just only Reese. it works better. There's like some there's a very thin fan theory that it's like Mister Reese, Mister Reese, Riddler. Oh. He's just some guy. That guy's not a Riddler. He's not smart no. enough. But uh, him getting dunked on by Lucius is always. A great, a great moment for me. Like, yeah, you're going to blackmail him. Good call, bud. Um, yeah, so we have the Joker. Joker in jail. Joker in jail. This is probably the stuff that, like, fucked up Heath Ledger the most, I think. You know, he didn't, like, his death was not a result of, like, his experience on this movie. That's been kind of, like, his family was, like, he was fine. It was... Really? Because I thought he was, like, kind of abusing, like... That, that was, like drugs and stuff that was the the whole the thing narrative that people were like theorizing but yeah no they were like, he was fine he just was frequently mixing he was on prescriptions and would also take sleeping pills which he wasn't supposed to do oh, okay. and he just took like a fatal dose of it i wonder why that got so popular because i thought that was like yeah i think it's just one of those things that like really spun out of control because it was like so like such a visceral performance and it was like well you know it would take a toll on somebody and there's all this stuff about him like isolating himself yeah like, to, like learn this stuff but i think he was i think it was just an accident mm, that's awful i mean i don't doubt that like this was probably like, like, difficult head. to like keep it up but yeah yeah oh well i'm glad you brought that up yeah i actually because i i kind of was under that impression too but uh, you know, I guess that's that's not how it went, which is good. It's still a really fucked up scene. Oh, oh well, absolutely. <laughs> like this is where I feel like he gets the most in like your head, is like him just kind of like. There's no he's a he's a wall he's an immovable force or right. an immovable object. It's a yeah like unstoppable force immovable object he's both. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, he just, he gets under everybody's skin so easily. And it's just, he's, like, unperturbed at every turn. Like, so it's impossible to tell 
whether you've impeded his plan or you are (laughs) actively enabling his plan. But given that he doesn't have a plan necessarily, you're always doing both. Do I seem like the kind of guy that has a plan? (laughs) But like he does have a plan. He does have a plan. But he's also like if the plan gets blocked in one way, he'll just kind of go with it. Yeah. You know? I mean, he sewed a, a cell phone into someone's body. Yeah. And has like some timing stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not... Yeah, he has this plan. That's true. But what he does, like, I guess in the course of, you know, reaching the finality of that plan is flexible, I think, yeah. to an extent. Um, we get the I only have one rule stuff, which I think is like the most Batman-y thing that I think about. Does anybody, I don't know, I don't have any notes on this. Does anybody like challenge him on that? Or like, like what was, what was the, the depth of that discussion in this? He says, um, I only have one rule. Um, and he's like, you're going to have to break it if you want to know like what's going to happen to them. And he's like, I might break it mm. tonight. Yeah. But, like, he's not challenging that he believes in that. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, the whole thing. But he needs a limit. (laughs) Batman does. Because otherwise, like... And, I mean, other Batmans don't have this rule. I don't think. Oh, Batman doesn't kill. Ever. Yeah. Like, he's... That's just he doesn't he doesn't do it. I right? just feel like they Michael don't Keaton Batman killed Joker. He dropped him off a building. Yeah, but like in the comics, that's yeah, what I mean. I that's a like that's a big part of it. In the other movies, it's, it's not like addressed in like the same significance. Because like yeah, the whole like the thing with the Joker throughout the comics, it's for the same reason. Like right. they they don't they refuse to to kill each other because they have to keep their thing going, their routine. And like that's why like the Joker like wants him to to kill him and kind of. To, like, bring him down to his level. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's just how he approaches things. And that's why, it's part of the reason why the the Arrow TV show is such a Batman ripoff. In so many ways. Because I don't think, I don't think Green Arrow has that rule, necessarily. (laughs) I don't know much about Green Arrow. No, he kills a bunch of people. And then he's like, I gotta stop killing people. Yeah, like in season two. He kills so many people before that. Um, Rachel's death is the most fucked up thing of any comic book movie, very closely followed by Gwen's death. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that she actually dies as a result of this plan, like, makes it so much more stressful on every rewatch. Just because, like, you know that it's, like, this is not going to end well. Well, and I think that's kind of why this is the first time watching this that I've been kind of critical of Rachel because I'm like, well, I know what's about to happen and I like this character a lot. But watching it this time with like trying to keep an eye out for things to talk about is when I kind of took a closer look at like some of what she was saying in this movie and not loving it. No. Yeah. It, it, I, I get that. I do get that. I don't know if we want to talk about her, like, letter now or or when it, we come to that. I mean, I'm basically there. We can talk about it now. Um, 
Well, I guess real quick before that, I always thought this in my head as like kind of canon, but I don't know if this is suppo- if this is true, but where Rachel dies, is that supposed to be the theater where Bruce's parents died? Because it's, I thought she was like in a theater, but then when they go back to it later with Harvey at the just, very end, it seems like a warehouse. But I know he's in a warehouse. I think they're both in warehouses. Okay. Because um, from the outside of it, like when Gordon like gets there, I thought it was like a theater. Let me see. I don't know why I thought that, but I never thought that. But let me see. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it is. That would be an interesting move, though. No, I think they just found a couple empty warehouses. Easy. Um, well, anyway, so what are your thoughts on Rachel's letter to Bruce that Michael Caine doesn't give him? So the whole gist of the letter is basically, I know I said what I said, but like I've moved on and I don't think you're going to be able to move on. And About like, uh, as uh, when when Gotham no longer needs Batman, then we can be, be together. together. She's like, I'm and, reneging. And she was like, I meant it when I said it. But now I think we both kind of know that that's not going to happen for one reason or another. And, and I'm even happy if it with, did, I'm yeah, not interested. I, I'm happy with Harvey. So like, let's, let's not. Um, Which I think if we were watching this movie from Rachel's perspective, like that's the arc she's going on in this movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like you said, like we don't get to see her like do like a whole lot of that like introspection on camera. Yeah, but, but it seems wish-washy to us from Bruce's right. side. But I think just like... Yeah, as someone that, like, knows Bruce, like, watching him on the sidelines of this, like, I think that the conclusion that she comes to is the right one. Like, no matter what, even if Bruce is, like, not actively suiting up as Batman anymore, like, that's, like, a level of trauma and, like, the the worldview that he has is just, I think that's, it's too much, to, like, to deal with, kind of. Like, Rachel would never, like, believe Bruce that, like, I'm, like, done. Like, I'm not. Like, that he wouldn't, like, go back out there or, like, get himself killed doing something stupid. Or just, like, be able to, like, live a normal life. You know, just, like, retired, kind of. Yeah, see, I I actually feel like before she dies is the time where he, I think, is most likely and able to let go of being Batman. Like when he wants to do the press conference, like I think, yes, he's kind of like giving into the Joker, but I also think he is able to give up Batman. And I think because he's seen Harvey as this like great hope for Gotham, like he's the first one to say like, to I forget who he's talking to. I guess it's Alfred that he's like, if Harvey succeeds, like yeah, we, we don't, don't need yeah, Batman. Yeah, I don't need to do this. Um, I guess it's just like a little harder to like say that because like we never see that. Like if if Harvey didn't get two faced and was able to like succeed in doing what he was doing, like without the threat that the Joker was immediately presenting, like would Bruce have done that of his own volition, just like put it down and be like, I'm done. I think he would have done it for Rachel. Yeah. Which is maybe not the best intention, but like I think he could have done it and been comfortable with his decision and maybe be pulled back in if something happened yeah and then that would maybe be a conversation that they need to have (laughs) um but i but then 
after her death, kind of regardless of Harvey's plot, I don't think he can ever let go of being Batman. And I think that's what the struggle of the third one yeah, is. Until, like, yeah, like, he gives up being Batman by, like, killing Batman, like, literally. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, like, the nuclear option. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of teasing for Batman. All I can say, though, is I'm, I'm glad uh, Michael Caine decided to burn that letter because Bruce did not need to see that shit. Yeah. That I, would not have been good for him. I mean, obviously she didn't know she was going to die, but that's a rough letter. St- either way. I also think it's cowardly. To give it as a letter? Yes. Yeah. She was she was being a dick and like left in like such a huff and then was like, I don't want to be with you and I can't even be the one to tell you. Yeah, I think that that's something that's worthy of an in-person conversation. But, you know, they had to do it for the movie. Right. Right. And it's very, you know, cinematic. Yeah. But still like, yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) I also personally think that Joker knows it's Bruce. I mean, I would believe that. He probably just doesn't care. But that was also when I thought that the, her death was, like, at the theater. I mean... Oh, yeah, I don't think he cares. Yeah, like, it, it wouldn't matter. And I don't even think that... Like, I think he's like, having fun with, like, playing with the shroud. Right. Like, I think that even if he even if he knew and he knew, like, who was involved, like, Lucius and Alfred, he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't do anything, I don't think. Like, I think he has in the comics before. I think he's gone after Alfred and stuff. But yeah, like this, like, it doesn't seem like, yeah, he doesn't want to shatter the the illusion of, like, the Joker versus the Batman. Just because he, like, well, I guess he just knows that Batman cares for Rachel. He doesn't, but, like, he's smart enough to piece together, yeah. like, who Bruce Wayne is and that he knows Rachel. Yeah. I think. Because uh, <laughs> Falcone, Falcone knew that. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> Joker's a smart guy. Um, but yeah, now I'm kind of like at the Reese hospital plot stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if you had any other thoughts on the death. Not really. Just beyond like, like what I said, like that was, that was like a really big move for them to do. And like Joker's plan was already like so fucked up before they, like before he like did this bait and switch thing. Like, and like you said, like, Gordon could have been moving a little bit faster to get to Rachel, but he probably would have died if he had gotten any closer. So, yeah. Um, I don't know how many other movies we've had someone die, like a car- like in a either adventure movie or like a comic book movie. Like, I mean, besides like the obvious, like big obvious ones, like Tony Stark. Well, that's all after. I'm saying, like, in 2008. Oh, oh, I mean. Because, yeah, I talked about, like, the Gwen Stacy death, but that's after this. I mean, not many, but I, I also think that's on account of, like, the the kind of movies that comic book movies were before this. Yeah. Yeah, like, like I guess what you're saying is, like, this is, like, a, uh, I'm blanking on the word that I was looking for. But well, this it is like raises a, a, the stakes of yeah. comic book movies. Yeah, this was, like, a big change like a, a sea change for comic book movies. Like we can, we can do something like this and not like have it be goofy or have like a resurrection. It's just like, no, like this shit happened. 
I mean, I'm thinking of like just in general, like action movies, like too. Like I, I mean, I haven't seen like that many, but like I feel like it wasn't common to like have a main character, like a main love interest, be killed. I think if you went back to a lot of uh, '90s, 2000s like action movies that that's probably pretty common because they like half do it in fast and furious but then they bring her back yeah no i feel like i mean i am just guessing but i think a lot of those movies like lethal weapon that like to dip into like the dark like tones i think a lot of them would probably have approached it like that and been like we're we're doing this we're doubling down on it yeah because i think it's more fair to compare these batman movies to like action movies more than it is to comic book movies like at this time absolutely is yeah because it's so different than everything that came before it i mean like this was such a between this and iron man like this was such a big year for comic book movies like nothing was the same after after 2008 i'm not counting hulk in that year but you know uh, uh yeah mr reese also in iron man love that reese reese I mean, we know that Gotham's, like, really corrupt. They don't always do things great. Like, their government's kind of fucked. But I'm, like, really proud of their evacuation of these hospitals. They do a really good job. Yeah, they nailed it. I I cannot (laughs) believe it. I mean, they lost a bus because of the Joker. Yeah, but but that doesn't count. That's not their fault. I mean, kind of. Pretty good work. Pretty good. Yeah, I can't believe that, like, nobody died. Like, almost, almost unbelievable for how incompetent Gotham has been in pretty much every other department. But hey, I'll give him that. But yeah, then we get a, a really funny scene with Bruce and Reese. Well, it's really between Bruce and Gordon, but... When he uh, saves yeah. him. Yeah. Love that. Because that's when... With the Lamborghini, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Much more subtle. Like, what a, what, a, what a cover. Just... His, his absolutely feigning ignorance. And also, like, I always... It's so funny, like, seeing... Insane. Should I go to a Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> guess you don't want to watch a lot of news. I always, like, forget that, like, Gordon doesn't know Bruce. So, like, seeing them interact like that is I so know. funny to me. Like, Bruce is such a good actor. Because I think in the 90s movies, like, they have Bruce in the world so much more and in this obviously like bruce is like a recluse yeah basically yeah so it's like a shock to see him so funny and also like just the whole thing with um the the guy in the car like having a who was it in the hospital his wife's in the hospital or something yeah and he wants to kill reese and gordon has to like oh yeah because the whole thing is like if you don't kill reese by whatever time i'm blowing up a hospital yeah so. i love it i love it who warned him? Was it um, Alfred? Alfred sent him a slash text. Fox. Yeah, love that. Working as a team. And but like you said, they had a they had a pretty shit plan to get Reese out of there. Oh yeah, they're like in a big take you through lobby. a yeah huge open space with a crowd. <laughs> and the fact that that guy that guy had a clear shot on him. Oh, for sure. Someone with better aim would have killed him then and there. And Gordon is working his ass off. He hasn't had much sleep. His wife is furious at him for faking his own death. Oh, he's <laughs> not doing great. And it's about to get a lot worse I felt, for him. I felt that slap when, when he comes back. Yeah. Like, I felt that shit. 
Um, also, we get the the scene with Joker burning all the money. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which and is our our favorite guy with the dogs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the dogs. He doesn't make it out of the scene, does he? I think he gets killed. Because he? he kills he kills Lao there, which I always forget because he's like on the pile of money. Yeah. Yeah, I think he. I think. Oh yeah, because you see him with the dogs. I think he's cleaning up some loose ends here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and him burning that money is just like also iconic. It just tells you everything about him. Like I don't give a fuck. He he's also like the bandit. And he's also like I'm only burning my half. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, like I'm honorable, man. I'm at Fox and the Sonar thing. I think. Yeah. So well, we do get um, Dent not realizing that the Joker is the Joker until he takes his mask off. Oh, yeah. Great moment. A lot of memes so lately with mask content yeah. being like. Don't we know what people look like now? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got to say, the uh, the Two-Face CGI still holds up. Oh, it's still so gross. Creepy. I hate looking at it. I mean, like, it was, like, when when it first, like, showed, like, you know, when the movie came out and we first saw it, I was like, oh, that's nasty, but, like, it looks impressive. And I think it's... It's almost, like, cartoony, but, like, in a good way. Yeah. Like, it is inherently goofy. Not goofy. Like, well, the idea... I mean, I know like, I just said cartoon. Like, you but... can't... You're not walking around like that. So it's like, okay, well, we're, we're crossing a line here. But I think Christopher Nolan also went out of his way to make sure Aaron Eckert wasn't playing Two-Face. Like, he was like, don't make any, like, weird noises or anything that, like... I guess, like, I don't know if Tommy Lee Jones did any of that, but he was like, don't make any, like, slurping noises. Because I guess you get, like, all this gross shit going on. But he's like, I want you to play this, like, very seriously. So it's like, yeah, he's Two-Face. Yes, he's missing half of his face. <laughs> but that's not really what you're focused on. Like, you're focused on, like, what he's doing. And he goes on this short little spree. And that's where we find out that, um, what's her name, is Dirty. Which is devastating. I know, Ramirez. Yeah. Which they kind of, she makes it sound like they, they got her because she was, like, vulnerable like financially, which yeah. is like some Wilson Fisk shit. Um, yeah. And goes after the other people that were involved with taking him and Rachel to those warehouses. And uh, yeah, you know, he is making his own luck here. And I think the best scene of all of these is when he. He's no longer making his own luck. No. That's his yeah, statement he, well, earlier. He, right. Yeah, he is no longer making his own luck. Now he's just. He's just doing what he wants. But he's still um, thinking everything is fair because he's flipping a coin. Right. And him, uh, was it, is it Maroney he's in the car with? Yeah. And when he's like, I'm not going to kill you, but then he kills the driver. Great right. moment. Puts his seatbelt on. Yeah. I thought he was getting ready to uh, tuck and roll and then the car immediately <laughs> flips over and I was like, I guess not. Yeah. I, um, I get his little vendetta going to the people he feels are responsible and being like, you have a 50, 50 chance, just like Rachel and I did basically. But then when he involves people that like, weren't super involved, like the driver and, and the children. Family. And the one with Gordon makes like slightly more sense. Cause he's like, I want you to feel like what I feel like when everything was taken from me. Yeah. But like, are you just gonna go like Thanos and just give everyone a 50-50 chance of living? Like, no, what's the plan here? His whatever like deluded sense of justice that he is uh, working with now is 
pretty much immediately destroyed by by doing that. Like, yeah, if he if he went like full vigilante and was actually just like, you know, confronting these people that were complicit, maybe you know it's like a little easier to believe. But he just he's doing what he wants and convincing himself that it's justice. Right. Um, well, we'll come back to him at the end there. So with Fox, kind of similar to how I was feeling about everyone earlier with the whole, like, should you or shouldn't you, like, kind of turn yourself in. I feel like we're getting mixed messages from Fox, too, about this whole sonar thing. He's, like, very upset, like you said earlier. I mean, it is a huge invasion of privacy, but... I kind of feel like, is he saying that the Joker's not worth it? Because he has some sort of line that's like, something about like, is like wh- who you're becoming or something like that. And Bruce is like, I have to do this. And like, I kind of took it as Lucius being like, he's not worth this. But I'm like, but he's doing bad stuff. Like who else is going to do Yeah, something? I mean, I, I think he's really just... Like, I don't know if the community around batman slash bruce are underestimating the joker and they think that he's gotten in bruce's head too much but i feel like he's causing like real havoc in gotham and like this is what a vigilante is for basically because the law enforcement's not doing anything i don't know yeah i don't know what his what his stance is on this really because like I mean, I get him being like, this is I not get, a good I get tool. the ethical dilemma because it's not. It's super invasive. But I guess you know, it's, we it's all like, have it's it on whole, our phones now. But it's like the whole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a little Who's too listening? a little too topical. Everybody. Like, it's like the whole thing with like, you can't reveal who you are and like give in to the Joker. It's like we can't we can't stoop to this like we're, we're violating the people of Gotham. But I'm like, and that's the whole thing. It's like, how many lines are you willing to cross to like take down this person? And I guess, like, that's where Lucius draws it, which is maybe lower than we would. But, like, you know, it's... He destroys it after he's done with it. I don't... Well, right, but Fox doesn't (laughs) know that. It's like, yeah. I guess it's, like, the the question of, like, do the ends justify the means? Like, does stopping the Joker justify invading everybody in Gotham's privacy? And I don't... Lucius is a little conflicted on that. I feel like the answer is yes, because it's the fucking Joker. You know, maybe if it was the Scarecrow, I'd be like, mm, we'll save this for next time. You're basically just bringing up the whole, like, Patriot Act. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's intentional. I mean, this is a question about, do you give up personal freedoms for the benefit of all? It's do easy. You, does everyone wear a mask for the benefit of all? <laughs> it's easier for me to say when it's the Joker in Gotham and not IRL. I mean, I think the point still stands. I, and The parallel is very much there. I think the point you're making is we are okay with it because we trust Fox and we trust Batman. But yes. if we're making a morality judgment, I, what is I, it? I do it think shouldn't like, depend on who right. it is. I, I think on a, on a base level, like I agree with Fox. Like this is not, this is not something you should do ever. Um, but because it's Lucius Fox and Batman, I'm like, all right, fine. If it's a government instituting it, even if they say they're going to destroy it, absolutely not. You figure out another way. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm more on the side that the means do justify the end. Did I say that right? I think you flipped it, but I get it. 
It's an interesting thought. I mean, I think that the allegories in this movie are really on the nose and capture that because they're like at the end of the Bush era and like that stuff is still really topical now, let alone in 2008. It does kind of bring me into this next part, another moral dilemma, which is the most excited I've ever been reading a college textbook was talking about the prisoner's dilemma. Like, I know this. Are you familiar with the textbook? Uh, please, please explain. Because now, which which textbook? Okay, I brought this up because this is a class that you and I both took, but we didn't know each other. Oh, it's an in international. <coughs> yes, of course, Re- the international relations, a political science two eighty textbook. They talk about this and they mention this movie I in the that. textbook. You I don't forgot about that? that. I didn't do a lot of my readings for that class. Well, you would have been excited about this. I, maybe I did. It's been a long time. Well, anyway. But, I it, mean, what a what a great example. It's basically saying that this very incidence where it's like you have either mutually assured destruction or one of you kills the other or the other person kills the other. Like, yeah. what do you do? Another kind of like the trolley problem, but not exactly. It's like nuclear disarmament on a small scale. Yes, that's that's kind of what it was saying. And they use this as an example. Yeah. It's a very short part of the textbook, if anyone also read the internet. <laughs> I, for, I don't even remember the textbook, so I'm sorry. I, I can't. It probably cost $300. Um, yeah, I mean, this was... It's such a such a good implementation of that dilemma also everyone loves a fairy ride too especially in a comic these people don't they're not having a good time before that like everyone includes likes to include a fairy (laughs) yeah that is true the uh i just i just really like how this handles like these random people's approaches to this because the people like the civilian ship there are several people who are very quick to jumping to being like, those people had their chance. So let's like kill them all. And the one guy is like, they've murdered and they've stolen. I'm like, what? You don't know what they did. You just know that they're prisoners. Those could be like new prisoners. Like, well, I don't know if they know it, but like, Gordon specifically says, like, those are the people that Harvey put away. Like, these are all, like, mob-related people. Which is not, again, just because they were arrested and convicted doesn't mean that the people on your boat haven't done things. They just haven't been arrested and convicted. Yeah, I know there are people shitting their pants being like, well, uh, I'm glad I didn't get caught for that one thing. Uh, Also... Pretty sure that the uh, penalty for stealing is not death. Maybe it isn't Gotham. Uh, <laughs> well, I think this is what's being debated. Oh, well, absolutely. Uh, I just know that, that one guy thinks he's hot shit. And yeah, but then he can't. Do it. He can't do it. He can't bring himself to pull the trigger. But because Gotham is proving themselves. Yes, it's, it's very. The look, the guy, the prisoner, the one who steps up. What, what a great performance! Because I, I. Very much remember this guy on every oh, rewatch. Yeah. He's incredible. Um, best character, maybe he's Crazy Eyes' dad from Orange <laughs> is the New Black. I don't know. <laughs> um, also, is this like Prisoner's Dilemma? Yeah, I absolutely think that this is 
the rest of the movie distilled into like one final confrontation. It's like this is this is everything that the Joker has like wanted to like make a statement on, I guess, about Gotham and about like what like how far people will go to like preserve themselves, themselves or yeah. like enact justice, like whatever their personal interpretation of justice is. And that's just such like a such like a fascinating thing. Cause like when when Joker is talking about like how he's like seen that that cops friends in like their final moments and they reveal like who they really are. Like those people who are like like rushing to judgment being like, yeah, fuck it, like blow them up. Like on both ships. That's like I think that tells you a lot. Well, I don't know how much the prisoners are saying. Well, they're I guess they're not. And nobody is. On I mean, there's like, a lot of like hubbub at the beginning and then Yeah, so yeah, we don't see anyone saying it, but I'm assuming there are some people being like, like, shouldn't we just do it? Yeah. But like the people on the civilian boat, yeah, we definitely had these people like being like, No, fuck it, like it's us. Like yeah. obviously, like, why would we not do it? And I think that that's like, okay, well, <laughs> you're not even gonna take a minute to think about it. Um, which I guess that's what that's what the Joker wants. Yeah. To like sow this discord. But then like, yes, he's putting them in these terrible positions, but I guess his point is like, these are the people they've been all along. I'm bringing it out of that. Right. Yeah. Which I guess is like the argument for Harvey. But yeah. He's like, you're in there somewhere and I'm just going to. Like you were always capable of this. Kind yeah. Of. Just going to bring you to the breaking point. And now like, you know what you are, which is just like. And if you're not corruptible, then you're dead. Yep. Pretty so much. You don't get to prove him the other way, except for Batman, I guess. Yeah. And then we're like, great. Happy ending. We got the Joker. Everything's good, right? Psych. Forgot about Two Face, didn't ya? Bats. Plural. Yeah. Oh, you're just referring the to them as bats. Nickname bats. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> of course, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and very, very sneaky of the joker to like have this as his he literally says like that's his ace in the hole is yeah. harvey and he doesn't even really know what harvey's up to he just knows he's gotten he him. just like loosed him on gotham it's like well go take care of that problem here's now. your coin yep. don't forget this <laughs> don't leave him without it um yeah so we got like this really horrifying thing of like harvey threatening to kill the son in particular which i'm just saying Gordon clearly has a favorite child and it feels pretty shitty for everyone. But I guess like, thank God I'm not the favorite, says the daughter. Like, they're going to be unpacking that for a long time. Um, Family therapy is in order. But um, luckily the kids don't die. None of the Gordon yeah, family that, dies. Yeah, that might have been a bit much. But Batman gets there. He gets shot in the gut. Yeah, right in the gut. Which we know now his suit doesn't do as well against gunfire. Um, but he, he bounces back. Yeah, it se seems fine. Um, that He took that and a, a multiple-story drop like a fucking champ. Also, Harvey does himself second as, like, getting his coin flipped on himself. And, yeah. like, that seems like an odd order if you're trying to <laughs> wreak havoc. <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if, if he is really going by like the I have to be an agent of chaos thing, that's pretty chaotic. You do all this kidnapping stuff and then you just like kill yourself in the middle of it. 
And everybody was like, <laughs> what? Like, I could see him doing that, like, post, like, murder-suicide in a really dark way. But, um, yeah. Oh. It's rough. But um, Batman saves the day. He does kill Harvey. Okay, so this was going to be, I was bringing myself to this point. Like, what does it say that he broke his, quote-unquote, one rule for Harvey? Like, Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think someone would argue that he didn't really kill Harvey. He jumped to save the kid, and Harvey <laughs> this accidentally is, this is a, also fell. This is Batman's, like, court defense. He's like, uh, I didn't kill him. I just tackled him, and he didn't hold on. So, really, it's his fault. Yeah. I was just jumping. Um, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah. When you jump, when I threw us off the building. I don't think they talk about this in the third one, but it's just like every time he, he, something, he does something that results in somebody's death and someone, I'm just imagining Alfred being like, did you, did you break your one rule, Master Bruce? And he's like, no, I just, I just didn't say (laughs) something. Don't um, worry about it. Yeah, but I if you wanted to go with our whole thing about the Joker, like you could say that he corrupted Batman in the end too. Sure. Just because he didn't kill the Joker. Yeah. You didn't want to give him that satisfaction. Right. Um, and then we get like such an iconic line too about well, one, we get the callback to becoming the villain. Living long enough to become the villain. Yeah. And then we have the why is he running? Because we have to chase him. Yeah. And like he's not the you know, hero we deserve, blah, blah, blah. But He's not a hero. He's a guardian or whatever. I think that'll maybe be our beginning quote. I think so, too. Um, but I, my final, like, jab at Rachel, I'm so sorry, Rachel, is, like, would you be mad at this decision, too? <laughs> like, what he's doing now? Like... Yeah, she'd probably be like, you know, what, what, why? Like, why are you taking the blame? It's like, well... Uh, no, I really don't think that... There was no positive outcome for, for Rachel here. She would have been pissed well no, uh, the not, harvey stuff aside but like him being like taking the blame for it yeah and going on the run is like hated yeah. by the community um but i do think it's the right call to let harvey not be maligned yeah, yeah I, I i think they needed that and i think that's probably like the one thing that i don't know if like the joker would have like accounted for Maybe like because he knew that he had gotten to him, but I don't I don't know if he would have guessed that. I don't think he would have thought would have that, done that. Well, maybe not that, but I don't think he thought that Harvey would be go down so quickly. I guess. Uh, yeah, I think he envisioned Harvey as like a replacement for himself almost if he got caught. And obviously that didn't happen. And it, it's it's really sad. I don't mean to like reduce the very tragic death of Heath Ledger to like, I'm sad that we didn't get Joker in another movie, but like it, it is like a big what if as to like how a third movie with the Joker in it would have handled like the events of this. And like you said, like, and we talked about it in the Batman begins episode, how the dark Knight rises kind of like brings everything back to like the first movie and tends to gloss over this. I think is a big part of that, but it's a shame because like this, this whole thing with like him killing Harvey probably would have been, revisited if the joker had been still around see i don't think in con i don't think like the movies are saying that he killed harvey i guess i guess they're not i I think they're they're saying his death he like fell but i i do think um 
the Joker would have like exploited that, or yeah. at least like held it over or Batman. Not even like that you killed Harvey, but you basically let Harvey become this the Harvey that we know be killed, like the essence of yeah, Harvey yeah. Killed. Like you let me destroy Harvey, kind mm-hmm. of. But what I would have liked to have seen in terms of the series. Batman Begins, perfect movie. Leave it as it is. This movie, really good, except putting, shifting Two-Face down mm-hmm. so that he's just introduced in this movie. The third movie be Two-Face and maybe another bad guy, not the Joker. Yeah. Maybe the Riddler, but we just kind of did that. So somebody else. But not Bane? No. Well, I guess do Bane, but not the plot a, that they a did. A different Bane. And then the in a fourth movie, then bring back Joker. Because I think having a break, a reprieve from Joker is like, oh, yeah, like we don't, we're fine. And then he comes back. Yeah. That would and be that really would be good. like the finale of the series would be a fourth movie with, with Joker coming back. That would have been pretty amazing. So. Oh, well. Oh, well, indeed. But yes, we'll be um, back in two weeks finishing this trilogy with The Dark Knight Rises. And that's the last one that we're going through before The Batman comes out in um, a month and change. Hopefully that one will, I think the the release date is solid at this point. As a tease, we'll be doing The Joker after that movie. Yes. That'll be, I haven't seen that since I saw it in theaters and you've never seen it. I've never seen it. So that'll be an interesting watch. I know it happens. Yeah. So. I think I recounted the entire thing when I got back from theaters. Um, but yeah, we've got some other stuff in between here. But looking forward to finishing the series out. I think we both kind of shared that the third one's not our fave, but it'll still be really good to discuss. No. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about for sure. I love um, the main woman in it. Mary. Uh, I always want to say Marianne. Marianne, but that's... Marianne cool. Coti- Cotillard. Cotillard. Yeah. Natalia Agul. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. You know, whether they stuck the landing or not, I think most people would say they didn't on the trilogy, but it'll be a good episode. And of course, very excited to see the Batman and having this take fresh in our memories will be a good comparing tool. Paul Dano to uh, Heath Ledger. Um, I know they're not, he's not playing the Joker, but still. I think I'm going to have nightmares after it. I think I can say that pretty confidently. Yeah, probably. Same here. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> I mean, I might have nightmares. I probably just won't remember them. <laughs> um, did you have anything else before we wrap up? Um, not too much. I think I tried to drop in some fun facts as we went throughout, uh, just in the interest of time. Um, it seems like Katie Holmes decided to co-star with Diane Keaton and Queen Latifah in Mad Money. That's a great movie. Doing this. Love it. Um, but other people that were considered before Maggie Gyllenhaal were Sarah Michelle Gellar, Isla Fisher, Emily Blunt, and Rachel McAdams. All great. Pretty, I, pretty stacked. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar, if they dyed her hair, would have looked the most like Katie Holmes. I would say all pretty, pretty overqualified for what is a relatively small part. But they all would have done great. I don't really see Isla Fisher, but that's just because she that's has she's red hair. That's because she's Amy Adams, and then yes, she's Superman's imposter. girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning in to this episode. Yeah, hope you all enjoyed. Um, Love us, to hear your thoughts. Yeah, let us know. You know, 
this is a this is an all-time classic, so we'd love to hear what you think. And if you have the time, if you've enjoyed our episodes, please, please, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify now also does uh, reviews. Oh my god, well, there oh. you go. Just drop some more in there for us. We would really appreciate it. Help us get the word out. Follow us on Instagram so you can see upcoming episodes, stuff like that. And tell your friends. And we are... Out of the Superverse. Thank you.